Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, marketing, pop culture, and influencers versus creators. I'm Rebecca Stewart, Europe Brand Editor for Ad Week, and this week I'm flying solo, but don't worry, Liz will be back by my side next week. In the meantime, though, I'm joined by the brilliant Emmy Lederman, who is one of our reporters covering creativity, influencers, and the creator economy for Ad Week. How are you doing, Emmy? I'm doing well. I was so excited to put this story together. So thanks for inviting me on. Yes, it's been one of the top stories on the site this week. Um, and yeah, we're talking about a really intriguing piece Emmy wrote, which was titled Why Do People Hate the Term Influencer? Which I think is a, a really interesting question, Emmy. And a good place to start is like, what piqued your interest in that question? You're speaking to influencers, creators all the time. So how did that kind of spring to mind? Yeah, so I think I was just a buildup of different conversations that I had with both, I don't know what to call it, creators, influencers, (laughs) talent. And um, I ran into this issue a lot when I was trying to refer to people in the story, but the story was about the language. Um, And people that work in influencer marketing, so whether that be agents or brands or people that work at agencies. And there was... There is always this conversation that is like we don't prefer the term influencer or oftentimes creators. And if you hear it from the managers, they'll say, well, that's what my client prefers. Mm -hmm. And then when you talk to the creators, a lot of times the conversation goes in the direction of I don't want to be seen as someone who's superficial or I don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't care about their content. So that kind of got me interested in the applications of that mindset in a business sense because everything about the business was being catered to the terminology that the creators felt most comfortable with. So I think I just kept peeling back the layers. I had a call with someone in the industry who told me that they think it's rooted in misogyny and that wasn't something that I like really actively considered before. So started to think about that and one thing led to the next and I feel like it just started to become one of those issues that people don't realize the significance of it until they start considering kind of like the social implications of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so interesting and like language especially in this industry is so powerful. So I 
do think this was such an interesting kind of conversation to have. But you mentioned, you know, that the aversion to the word influencer was rooted in misogyny. And I want to come back to that later, but just rewinding a little bit when you started kind of picking apart this language debate and, you know, speaking to people for this piece, when you spoke to influencers slash creators, what were some of the things that you started to uncover? Because one of the interesting things, you know, you opened the piece by saying that one of the influencers, when she introduces herself, she has a caveat and she says, oh, but I'm not an influencer. And she feels like it's a dirty word. Like, why did that Why did that kind of come up? So that was actually people... D- Creators and influencers definitely say that, but the person that I included in the article was interesting because she was one of the first people hired by Facebook to mm-hmm. handle partnerships in general. So that could have been with celebrities, with influencers. Um, I don't really think the word creator was like used at the time. Um, and she was said that like when she wants people to take her career seriously or really understand what she does, sometimes she finds the need to include that caveat of I people no one calls themselves that, which actually I don't even think it's for herself. It's for just giving people context of the industry saying like no one really calls them any influencers now. The same people that were influencers are now referred to as creators or want to be referred to as creators. So that kind of spoke to that issue, but I think I talked to the the immediate aversion. I think men don't consider themselves influencers, and I think it's very much a gendered term. And for mm-hmm. women, it's an aversion to the word creator, to, to the word influencer rather, because it's kind of tied to this superficiality. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, what did the people you spoke to say about that? So I think that the early days of internet culture and the first, I would say the quintessential influencer, it's hard to imagine that this is still the case today, but was Kim Kardashian. Now I think you would consider like Kylie Jenner or Charlie D'Amelio, but back then it was definitely Kim Kardashian. And if you think about her career trajectory, she definitely started shedding that title as she added more, I guess, talents and legitimacy to her career. So Mm -hmm. it just felt like the farther away, when she inched farther away from the term influencer was when she like launched Skims, when she started becoming more of a businesswoman and just was like kind of got her law degree, like just as she was considered to be less superficial, she was no longer associated with the term influencer, which at its surface you can say like, okay, that means that influencer is a superficial person, but they're executing the same exact like business strategies as other people who wouldn't align with that term. And it just feels very like murky and subjective. And this whole idea of, is it an important distinction? Are they the same people? I think I referred to it in my story as like, it's at the end of the day, just a ranking of interests, or is it a helpful career indicator. So Mm -hmm. I think that question is still very much up for debate. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. And like in terms of the language brands themselves use or like talent agencies, was there one preference over another or was it, you know, still this murky waters? I think that talent agencies, you know, want to do what's best for the talent. So I wouldn't say they have too much of a strong opinion, but I would say that the brand's 
look for influencers and want influencer marketing because I think they want people who they think the word influencer represents someone who prioritizes like monetization of their platform and just wants to push sales. But it's just kind of like if you're a full-time fill-in-the-blank, you obviously have to prioritize. Like I I work as a journalist. Like I need to be thinking about my paycheck just as anyone else is. So it's kind of starts to become this question of like who cares more about their paycheck, which is just like you can't really measure that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and, like, one of the things I didn't even realize was that YouTube coined the term creator. And I think that was about 10 years ago. And, like, the article I read about that was talking around how YouTube kind of coined this term based on, like, its relationship with existing Hollywood studios. And as it kind of got further that way, it's kind of power power influencers or power creators, as you like, got got coined creators so it's such a new term but it's one one that's always springing up and I know that when we write about the creator economy that can be confusing too because is it the influencer economy is it the creator economy so I even get confused about it as someone that writes about this space yeah I partially wanted to write this story so that I could like make my life easier (laughs) like I was like I just want to figure out what term is best. Um, But I just found myself getting frustrated in the responses and the differentiators that people made because they would literally act like it was rooted in fact, like in just objective all the time Mm -hmm. to these things that really can't be measured. Like we're not talking about like classic programmatic advertising and like differentiating different ad formats. We're talking about people and their interests and kind of getting inside their heads and figuring out what they value, which I don't think anyone who's making, like, no one who is a full-time influencer would say, I want to make content that just drives sales and I don't care about having an audience. Because if you did that, you wouldn't be able to develop a platform. Like, I don't know, I don't really follow anyone who I dislike personally because I'm like, wow, they're really going to find me great products on Instagram. So I just feel like it's it's over generalizing or, or maybe like stereotyping these types of careers. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of end up in the territory of like, do you think a gamer is more talented than a makeup artist? My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. 
Yeah, and it comes back to this idea that it's like gendered language almost and kind of rooted that, that idea of it being rooted in misogyny. And it does feel like we're at an anti-influencer like inflection point in culture generally. Like we've seen the rise of trends like de-influencing on TikTok and stuff like that. Do you think this all plays into that? Yeah, yeah. And I think the rise of I think the rise of de-influencing is helpful for influencers to be thinking in that way and not feeling because I'm sure influencers are well as well are like I don't want to constantly be promoting products like I want to have a different type of relationship with my audience and it's just interesting why people care so much and people hate influencers so deeply because if you think about it from like a morals perspective, aren't there a lot of men in white shirts going <laughs> to their offices that do worse things? Like it just yeah. doesn't feel like that's ever part of the conversation. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, another thing that I wondered as well, like so many of the kind of not even big influencers, but a lot of like micro influencers I follow now, they clearly don't produce their own content. Like they have whole teams making content for them. I don't know if it's the similar in the US, but in the UK, there's quite a few fashion and lifestyle influencers that do this. So like, there's maybe that distinction there, like the the influencer is working with a team of creators to make their content. So this landscape just seems like it's only going to get more complex. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. And what I found interesting was the professor that I talked to, the communication pro- communications professor, she said that when the term influencer was coined, everyone was relieved because they said, okay, finally, we can add some legitimacy to this career and I can explain to people or I guess begin to explain to people what I do for a living or I can show that I actually understand how to use these platforms. Like she kind of was talking about how Facebook and Instagram and all these platforms are perfectly positioned for influencers. They just didn't really advertise that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting now. Like, I think there was a survey of um, kids in the UK recently, and most of them said they wanted to be an influencer when they grew up. Um, so it does show there's yeah. a legitimacy to this career. Yeah, and it, but it's also, I mean, that's kind of sad. I feel like because oh, yeah. I would, I would. <laughs> it's not about like influencers, but I think any career path. It's just scary that there is that much uniformity Mm. in wanting to pursue anything I think in general is a little bit frightening. Yes, definitely. And sorry, I just forgot the question I was going to ask. No, but but the thinking about the influencers, it's like, do they what what is appealing to them about it? Because I think that people it just seems a lot more rosy than it than it maybe is. I mean. The idea of like constantly having to create something that your audience could absolutely tear apart Mm. with no mercy whatsoever. (laughs) It sounds kind of not my cup of tea. So it's just crazy that it would I would assume that most people would not actually enjoy being influencers who said that they would enjoy it. 
But then again, I think that's with like every kid being like, I want to be president. I wonder if it's just the yeah. new iteration of that. <laughs> I think it is. And I think, you know, they're, you know, Gen Alpha is growing up with like platforms like TikTok and YouTube just being innate to them. So I think that, yeah, it's probably just symptomatic of that. But like in terms of the conclusion of your article, like what conclusion did you come to? I think so I'm just looking back at at what I had what I had like talked about in the article because it had all these different takes. I had a take from Glow Recipe, the skincare brand that was like we actually don't differentiate terms or prefer any terms. People can call themselves whatever they want. We think influencers are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs can be influencers. So there was just such a breadth of perspectives and I tried not to lean too heavily on one versus the other. So I think like my conclusion at the end of it is like don't – not trying to convince someone that a conversation isn't important. And I feel like that's just a thing for me with language in general. Like I always mm-hmm. am just interested in how language and preferences like affect culture. And this has always been a topic that I've cared about and people kind of end it very early in the in the train of thought like they'll say oh it's because influencers just want to sell you something period okay so what are you having for lunch like it just doesn't it, it just doesn't feel like people are getting that critical and thinking about it and i do think it's important to have these types of conversations so i think the ending quote from sarah wilson just saying let's pull back the threads on the debate and say, what are we really getting at? And what do these questions reveal about us as a culture and what we value? So just having people maybe reconsider whether they think this is a worthwhile conversation. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it is. It's one that agencies, brands and, you know, talent agencies should be having too. So, yeah, I mean, there might be more to revisit in the future with it. I don't know as different platforms and stuff emerge, but I'm sure you'll keep on top of it all, Emmy. You always do. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me on to to have this conversation. And I guess as a reporter, I always just want my stories to more than anything to spark conversation as well, like with readers and with other journalists. So Mm -hmm. just nice to, to chat this through. Nice to have you. And it definitely sparked conversation. It was one of the top stories on the site this week. So please check out Emmy's story um, if you haven't already and check out all her other stories on adweek.com. So thanks, Emmy. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out more episodes of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. And tomorrow you can tune in for a new episode of Young Influentials with Colin Daniels. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.